You're listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Podcast, episode number 40 with Dave Wallace. small business owners, welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast, where we focus on creating brilliant breakthroughs for the small business owner. FYI, this is also the same name for the number one Amazon bestselling book for small business and entrepreneurship. The good news is you can find this book in paperback form as well as ebook. Just so you know which one it is, go to Amazon and type in Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. And if you're listening to this after November 2018, the book that we're referencing today is the blue one. So hi, rock stars. You are what's rocking the world today, small business owners. And my name is Maggie Mongan. I'm the anthology leader of this great book. What that really means is I'm the leader, the one who put everybody together and said, let's do this book. So it's a fancy term, but today we're here to really talk about something different. And we're honored to have Dave Wallace, a number one Amazon bestselling author with us to talk about your business's profitability and ways that we can improve it. I want to say welcome, Dave. Glad to have you here. Hi, Maggie. It's good to be here on a beautiful May Friday afternoon in Southeast Wisconsin. Oh, yes. It is unique, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, everyone, Dave's chapter is the third one titled, Sales Suck in Solitude. Did you like that emphasis? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Okay. Dave, you covered an enormous amount of ground in your chapter. Well, at the same time, I know that you really only scratch the surface for small business owners and what happens when they're in their sales mode. And I thought maybe it might be wise for us to back up the bus a little bit and start at the beginning by asking you a question. Are you ready for this? I hope so. (laughs) What do you really do? Because you do sales. That's, that's a good question. The, the answer is, I'm a business consultant. Ah. But my, but my particular focus is I try to look at business through the sales lens. So in, in other words, what sales challenges might be preventing you from achieving your overall goals? Well, I like that. Thank you. I I really do like that because sales can be very overwhelming to people if they're not familiar with it or if they're still in the um, incompetent stage or even competent for that matter, because there's a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts and, and sales also gets a bad rap, as we all know. I mean, there's plenty of movies out there about the, the shady salesperson, so uh, so yeah, that that it doesn't help the cause, but we have to do it. I mean, if you don't sell anything, it doesn't matter how cool your product is. If you don't sell it, nobody gets to benefit from it. Right, right. And you just mentioned something. Sales gets a bad rap. And 
there's there's a reason for that. A lot of people have behaved poorly in sales, but it doesn't need to be that way. And that's one of the things that I think is a very important business conversation because in this century, it's not being allowed to continue. People are just walking away. Right, 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 yeah. yeah so, go there, ahead. There is some of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still, I think people still struggle with this concept of, of sales. Uh, you know, it's, it's a four letter word and, and, and people, you know, if, if you look around, people don't have salesperson on their business card. They have account executive, account manager, business development manager, and all these different titles to, to kind of mask the fact that they're really in the business of selling products and services to their audience. Well, anyone who's a small business owner is primarily a salesperson because they are the ones who are responsible for generating revenue and nobody should be able to do it better than them. Right. Daniel Pink actually uh, wrote, or I think he wrote in one of his books, he said that 40% of the time that we spend at work, no matter what we do, is spent selling. Yes. And if you think about it, if you're in an office, you're convincing, you're cajoling, you're pleading, but you're doing some form of what we generally would call selling. You're trying to help someone understand a point of view. Now, whether they agree with, with it at the end of the day, that's another conversation, but it's the ability to present a perspective so that you can have a dialogue about it. Right. And you just said something that's really important is even if we aren't speaking with a potential customer or a customer about another cell, we are always selling. We're persuading, we're getting buy-in, we're getting the yeses all day long in what we do. And you said a word that I don't know if everybody's familiar with, and it was cajoling. Can you explain what that is? As an English major, I'm supposed to know what cajoling means without any, without any problems, but, but it's, it's, it's this idea that we're, we have to bring people along to a, to a different perspective and it can be external or it can be internal. So in other words, I can be an internal project manager at my company and I need to get people to join me on a project and I have to, I have to paint a picture for them of why they should, why they should want to play. Um, and sometimes cajoling is putting your hand in the small of their back and kind of giving them a gentle or maybe not so gentle. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think that's a, a great way for everybody to understand without pulling out an official dictionary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, okay. So now that we know what you really do, the question is, why do you do it, Dave? What, what is it? Uh, you know, I'll tell you a story, a very brief one. When I was in college, I was a tennis player, and I was also a tennis instructor. Okay. I, I was a pretty good player, but what I found that my real gift was instructing. And I took a lot of joy and satisfaction in helping students improve. And I worked at tennis camps in the summer, and, and for whatever reason, a lot of the kids that I worked with would end up getting voted the most improved player in camp. Rarely did they win the camp tournament, but they became the most improved player. And, and so that was a, that was a real satisfaction I got. Business consulting is pretty much the same thing. It, I take a lot of joy 
and helping clients find their sales voice and, and grow their business. You know, sales is really tough and you can't just wait for things to happen. You have to make things happen. And some people, they have it. They can, they figured it out right away. Other people, not so much, but you know what? It's a learned skill and I can help you kind of doesn't really matter what level you are. I can help you get better and more effective. So why I do it is because I get a rush out of seeing people um, be successful. That, that's satisfying to you. Yes. Very much so. Okay. So you just said that sales is a learned skill. And, and I agree with you because of the training that I went through about 20 years ago or so. And like, it was amazing the shift I had in understanding what sales really was and to be effective at it. But I think the thing that occurs often with small business owners is they don't practice sales techniques enough. And they just say, oh, it doesn't work. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Well, I, what I see is, is say it, it, sales, we've talked about this before, but sales is evolving. What was successful even as short as six or seven years ago isn't successful today. And it's, right. there's been this big shift in, you know, how do you sell? And, and a lot of it has to do with the access to information that your potential audience has. You know, early in the day, the salesperson was the subject matter expert. You had to have that person come into your office. And if you were the salesperson, you had all the answers. You went in and you told all about your product and what it did and how it, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you were the subject matter expert. That's not the case today. Today, people can, you know, click their mouse, swipe their finger and find all kinds of information um, that might even be more information about your product than you know. So <laughs> it, it, it completely has changed the game. And so, yeah, you have to, so it's a learned skill. You have to learn how to be successful. It wasn't until a few years ago that salespeople, that it became apparent that the people that were going to be successful in sales were going to be people who started thinking like their customer. For the longest time, it was you are selling something to, you're kind of doing something to somebody. I'm selling something to you. And now it's, you got to put yourself in your customer's shoes and say, you know, how do I, how can I help this person achieve their goals? Well, I better figure out what the heck their goals are first um, before I start telling them about my cool product. And, and that's, and that's a learn. I mean, some people, there's always people who innately have, have the gift. Um, but that's a, that's a, a huge minority. Um, most of the people it's, pra it's practice, you know, it, it's learned and, and, and it's repetition. Yes. Yes. And until you were speaking, I didn't realize the secret sauce I learned when I was an executive recruiter, because I had two parties that I needed to know what was in their world so I could connect them together in an effective way. And I, I learned each one of them were my customer. And then I had to play match matchmaker and understand what was essential for them. So I learned the power of 
learning to be with my audience and understand what their needs were so I could be more effective with each one of them because I had two moving parts. Right. I was selling right. twice to get one transaction. And, right. and it was very fascinating. Actually, I was selling three times, but that's another story. <laughs> so I agree with you that this is still something that's really new instead of sales being a to you or an at you. Right. Like it was a century ago. Ha! <laughs> yeah, last century. <laughs> last century, yeah. Well, a century ago, it was like how it is now, which is a different, different and cool conversation. Right. Okay, so who should be engaging with you? Because we need to learn how to practice correctly. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, it, I have a pretty, it's a pretty specific audience that is going to, that we're going to be able to work well together. And so if you sell business to business, and if it's a complex sale, and that means that there are multiple buying influences, and then if your sales aren't where you want them to be, then, then we should talk. Um, or if you lead a sales team and it's always a guessing game as to what opportunities in your forecast are actually going to turn into sales, then we should talk. Uh, the flip side is, is if you sell direct to consumer, you know, you sell direct to the consumer and it's a one-on-one -on -one sale, um, there are people who are very good at helping you do that, but that's not my field of expertise. I'm in the business-to-business, -business, more complicated sale. Uh, arena. That's that's where that's where I find my customers, and that's where we work best together. Okay, so <clears throat> truly business to business, yes. and and a more complex process. Right, and and complex doesn't mean your product is necessarily as complex. What it means is that there are just like you talked about in your story, where you had two or maybe three different people that you had to satisfy. A complex sales means there are multiple people within the organization that you're t talking to that you need to work with, and they might have slightly different agendas. And that's what we, that's what we call a complex sale. So it's not about the product; it's about the process. Okay, so you have an expertise in unwrinkling those complex processes. Correct. Wonderful. Well, that gives us a clue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And when customers are working with you, what are the gains that they have? It's, it's actually really pretty simple. They, they typically get three things, and there's a whole lot behind those three things, but typically they get, they get bigger sales, so their average sales size goes up. The amount of time it takes them to go from initial conversation to a sale shortens, so we call that the sales cycle, and they, they close a greater percentage of the opportunities that they qualify as real for them. Um, so it's really faster sales, shorter, shorter sales cycle, bigger sales, and greater hit rate, higher batting, higher batting average. Beautiful. Well... Gee, that's what everybody's looking for, aren't they? You you would it you would think you know a, <laughs> you would think it's a no-brainer, but sometimes people you know we all complicate our lives more than we need to, and certainly we do it in sales. Why would it be any different? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so th so there's really great value here because we're talking about uh, a higher closing rate, which means more revenue. Right. We're talking about a greater sale 
size, you said, so greater volume or add-ons or whatever, you know, we would want to call it. Um, so that's generating more revenue. And because we're spending less time, it's an efficiency model. So we're generating more revenue because we can be selling more. Yeah, it's all about generating more revenue. I mean, it's a real, it's a real simple equation. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then I'm sure right now we have some listeners that are saying, oh man, I need to get a hold of Dave because I want to generate more revenue. So I would, I would think maybe that generating more revenue is a good thing. In business, <laughs> it might be a really good yeah, thing. Yeah. It probably solve quite a few problems. It's been known to, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So what's the best way to get a hold of you, Dave? Because I know you're going to be hearing from people. The, the best way to get a hold of me is through email, and that's Dave Wallace, that's one word, at bayridgeconsultinggroup.com. Um, and then another way to get a hold of me is through our brilliant BizBook app. There is a there's a connection in the app where you can ask a question or you can just contact one of the practicing experts directly. So that, that's a second way to get a hold of me. So either one, either one works well. Okay. And your website, what is your website? Website is bayridgeconsultinggroup.com. Bayridgeconsultinggroup.com. Correct. Okay. And the app that Dave is referencing, we're going to talk about again, but it's brilliant biz book all one word excellent now you and i can talk for hours about this stuff and we have yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what are three quick tips that every small business owner should always be remembering i bet you have uh, more but what are three here here are here here there's always a top three and they're always rotating so i would say right now for the purposes of this conversation Number one, your product or your service is not the hero. It's what your product or service enables your customer to accomplish. So that's number one. You can't make what it is that you do your cool thing. That can't be the hero. Um, number it. two, number two is the, a buyer's not going to change, meaning they're not going to buy from you unless you can demonstrate, and you have to do this with integrity, not with sleight of hand, that staying put is actually more risky than changing. Um, and, and this leads to number three. And so before you start, and number three is before you start talking about your solution versus the competition, we call that the why you uh, aspect of the sale. You have to help your buyer understand why they need to change at all. And if you start talk, if you start leading with why me or you know, why should you buy from me? The chances are, according to research, about 60% that you're going to lose the sale to no decision. Um, wow. And if you take, and if you still take that approach and, and you don't lose it to no decision, then of the remaining 40%, you're going to lose another 20% of that to your competition, which means that your hit rate, if you start with a all about why buy from me as opposed to why change, your hit rate's about 20%, and that's just, that's not sustainable. Oh, wow. Those are some great stats, and it gets real. 
Yeah, it is. It, it is real. I mean, this is this is data driven, fact based, non emotional stuff. And I think that's where people get in trouble is they they, they don't they science is just making its way into the sales arena in terms of behavioral economics, in terms of you know how the brain functions. Uh, but there's some basic stats out there that just they haven't changed over years. Um, right. And this 60% of 60% losing to no decision, this is a 2018 survey. So this is not something where we're diving back into the 1980s. This is 2018. And these are sales qualified leads. So these are not just, these are things that have come into your, they, they come into you with an interest and 60% of them are ending with no decision because we are talking about us and our stuff. And just because someone wants to talk to you, it doesn't mean they've made the decision to buy from you. It means they're exploring whether or not they should even buy. And their hope is that they're gonna come out of the conversation realizing that staying put is just fine. Because that's human nature. Human nature is let's, I would prefer to stay put. So in the, unless faced with overwhelming evidence that shows somebody that changing is better than staying put, people by nature will stay put. Okay, so um, I'm sitting here in my wow moment right now because what you just said is not how I was trained to sell, okay? So, and yet when I um, see other sales presentations, I see the competition conversation always coming in or often coming in more than it should. And I'm like, why, why are you going to talk about the competition? You want to keep it all on you. But again, what you're saying, and I didn't realize this is such a big issue yet. I thought this had worked its way out, but you're saying, no, these are real current stats. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is that if, if we're just sitting there talking about how awesome we are or that our product is the hero. I love that first one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you know, instead of focusing on how we can help them resolve whatever it is they're contending with, we're not getting the sale 80% of the time. Correct. And that's, that's a, that's a staggering number and it's depressing as hell. Pardon my French. You know, it's, it's fine. Because the, the, the implication becomes that we're really bad at what we do. And most of us are not bad at what we do. We just are going about it in the wrong way. And we need to kind of step back. And this is the evolution of sales. And this, this whole idea of change is, you know, this is a big deal for somebody. And, and, and you know, there are boatloads of books now. You know, there's uh, Marshall Goldsmith, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right. Uh, books like that. But the reality is, is that we are predisposed as human beings to find comfort in the status quo. And we don't want to change. I mean, we all, everybody says they want to change. The number one, there's a survey done in corporate America. The number one thing that employees said they wanted, to, that, that, that they wanted was change. That was the number one thing. The number right. two thing they said was they hated change. Right. So I want things to change as long as it doesn't affect me. As long as I don't have to change. As long as I don't, as, as, you know, as long as I don't, look, it, it's like the story of the mother in the football stadium and she looks down at the field. She goes, look at that. The whole band's out of step except my son. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but it, and this is part of the science that's now, that's now working its way into, so it's a combination of behavioral science and how the brain works and how emotions work and how, you know, how we make decisions emotionally, but then we use our rational self to justify them. Um, and when we understand this, we understand that people can have you in for a meeting and they can be nodding their head and taking all kinds of notes. And you're like, oh man, I got this sale. These guys are in love with me. They're in love with what I'm talking about. And you leave and they look at each other and they go, that's really good information. I think we're pretty good just where we are. We don't need to change. Because you haven't painted a picture for them that says, if you walk across the street blindfolded and you don't get hit by a car, it doesn't mean you should do it again. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we kind of have to, we have to help them understand that the, the, the current state, and, and if the current state is not, I mean, part of the, the integrity of sales is after you go through this exercise, if in fact changing is not good, that they're actually in a really good place, then you as a professional have to honor that and say, you know what? You guys have this. You've locked this down. Congratulations. Do you know anybody else who isn't as good at this as you are that I could talk to? Um, and that's, a, that's an acceptable answer. The, 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 what's terrible is when we go for months and then it, we finally get to the end of things and the guy says, yeah, we're just not ready to make a change. And you didn't do all the things early in the process to figure that out. Uh, and that's part, of the, that's part of what I work with my customers on is how, what are all the things you have to do to understand earlier rather than later that you have somebody who's predisposed to do business with you. Okay. And, and yes, and thanks for opening this up a little more. So to recap, number one was your product or your service is not the hero. Correct. Okay, the second one is is that, oh, what are my notes? The buyer, uh, the buyer is not going to, the potential customer is not going to buy from you until you can share that the risk to stay where they are is um, greater. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Okay, so it's too risky to not take a step out. Correct, correct. Okay. And then the third one is making sure that you first understand the value of them making a change instead of talking about the competition. Right, you can't, it, it's, not a, it's not a bake off between your solution and the competition solution, if you will. Once, once you help them understand that they need to change, so two and three kind of go together. Right. You could lump them into one big, one big number two, or you could kind of separate them out. But what people tend to do is as soon as they start, as soon as they kind of get a sense that maybe this person will think about changing, they immediately jump into a bake-off conversation about their solution. And what you really have to do is you have to kind of paint the art of the possible about what change looks like and then how your solution will satisfy the change. So that's why those two go very close together. Um, Got it. 
And it's a lot, like I say, it's a lot of behavioral stuff. It's not the speeds and feeds of your product. Um, and there are triggers that work very effectively to help people see that. And the biggest trigger is um, monthly cost of indecision along with potential return on investment. Those are business triggers that we all pay attention to. Um, so, and I remember a story, some guy came in to present to a CEO, just happened to be my brother, and they said, well, you know, we're gonna become more productive if we buy the solution. And the immediate question was, how many people do I get to eliminate? Oh, no, 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 we're just gonna become more productive. Well, no, in the business leader's perspective, being more productive means I can do more with less, so I don't have to have as many people. Um, and so that's the language of business, which is I'm gonna increase revenue, I'm gonna decrease cost, or I'm gonna mitigate risk. Which is interesting because why not do more with more instead of more with less? Right, right, and that would be increasing revenue. Right, right. So, so there's a shift that needs to occur there, but that's not what we're talking about right, here. Right, right. That's just a that's just a parenthetical aside. <laughs> okay, I love to talk more, but I think we got to wrap this up for our listeners. Yep, I think so. This is good stuff. It surely is. So, listeners. Wow, this is how you can learn and engage more with our number one best-selling author, Dave Wallace. Start by reading the third chapter in the book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And why is because he tells a really great story about why sales suck in solitude. And then at the end of his chapter, on his author's page, he has invited you to accept an invitation of an assessment, either for your sales process or an ideal customer review. And that's what you get to look at at the end of Dave Wallace's chapter. But yep. also, there's something really cool that's happening. And right now, you can see everything about the book and how to get a hold of it and Dave Wallace by going to the books app, Brilliant Biz Book. Doesn't matter what your app store is. If you type in Brilliant Biz Book, all one word, you'll find us. It's a pretty blue book, like I said before. And when you get there, go ahead and click on Ask an Expert, and you'll see Dave Wallace's name there. Click on it, type in your answer, and he'll reply back to you. Right, Dave? You bet. <laughs> I absolutely will. Yeah, so what a great bonus. You can ask an expert a question. And Dave, I want to thank you for your time and your wisdom sharing today. You rock. Thank you, Maggie. It's always fun to get together. Absolutely. And listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast, where you learn how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Until next week, shine brightly.